let's get to Jennifer Keys, Matt, mayoral hopeful. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you standing by. Hi there, Kelly. Hi, Chris. Thanks for being here, Jennifer. Um, so you're getting a, a lot of chatter lately. You and Mayor John Tory can't see eye to eye on most issues. But here's one that I, I find uh, kind of interesting. If we can hop right into it before we get on to your vision for uh, what was the east end of the Gardner uh, Expressway. Let's talk about this open letter that the mayor wrote uh, to Steve Clark, who is the MPP. Uh, he's the Minister of uh, Housing. And he's basically suggesting that people that have been uh, banned from Toronto community or that the city bans people that have been convicted for ser- from serious uh, criminal activity from th- the Toronto community housing projects. Um, he said, currently a tenant who's evicted for serious behavioral misconduct like drug dealing or domestic violence is immediately able to apply for rehousing from the Toronto community housing for affordable rental units or market units. He wants to see that uh, reversed. He wants it changed so that serious criminals evicted for cause cannot return to Toronto community housing. And I thought it was interesting to hear that you disagree. Why? Well, we know that everyone in this city needs uh, housing, and we end up with a ho- homelessness problem if we if we don't address that. And we didn't handle the homelessness problem. Mayor Tory didn't handle it very well last winter. So the challenge that we face is that evicting someone because of a criminal record and putting them on the streets can do more harm than good. And there's no value dehumanizing people. So what we need to really be focusing on here is ensuring that we have transitional housing. And the risk is if we don't have transitional housing, we're creating more homelessness. And at the end of the day, we're talking about people who have, as you said, been convicted of a crime. They've served their time. They were in jail. They're no longer in jail. Uh, We need to figure out uh, a situation where we're treating everyone in the city so that they have housing. But they've already been evicted for their serious behavioral misconduct. I think that's what people are shaking their heads at here. You know, we all know there's a lineup to get into Toronto community housing. There's people that are elderly, people that are still waiting to get in community housing for like uh, one gentleman, it's been five years he's been waiting to get in. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say they have uh, more right to get into community housing. What do you say to that? I think what you're pointing at, Kelly, is this incredible problem that we have right now in this city, which is that there isn't enough housing for everyone, and it's why we need to be building significantly more housing. You just mentioned people that are on a wait list, uh, people that need access to housing that don't have that access to housing today. That That's a problem. That's you know We're, we're a wealthy city. We should be using our city-owned land to deliver affordable housing so that we don't have this problem of people who should be well housed in our city, which I would argue everyone everyone has a right to be housed and should be housed in our city. We should be using our city-owned land to ensure that everyone is housed. And the fact that we have this massive waiting list is the problem and it shows where inaction on housing gets us. We used to build a lot of affordable housing 20 years ago. We used to do that as a city. And now we've had this slow trickle of building affordable housing and we've become the most expensive city in this country in which to rent. And that's a problem. That's the problem that we have to fix here. Now, increasing homelessness, that's obviously a problem too. And we need to address that as well. And that's why I think there's a bunch of different things we need to address here if we're going to make sure that everyone everyone has housing.
All right, a lot to address, clearly. Let's uh, address something that you said uh, this weekend. I understand that you have brought open, you've reopened the debate of the fate of the Gardner. Um, what are you proposing happen at the eastern end of the Gardner Expressway, and why did you reopen that debate? Well, it's not really about reopening. It's, it's, it's not closed because this is going to continue to be a problem. This is a debate that never goes away until we fix this problem because the elevated structure to the east of Jarvis is incredibly costly to maintain. And the current plan is to take it down, move it over a little bit, and rebuild it so that our children can have this big debate all over again. There's a reason why cities are not building highways in the sky anymore, like they did in the 1950s, let alone rebuilding them. And it's because it is crazy expensive to put highways in the sky, and it uses up valuable waterfront land. So my plan, which is a plan that was brought uh, brought forward to City Council, is a plan to create an at-grade boulevard. This will unlock 12 acres of prime waterfront land, and it will maintain the traffic capacity through this part of the city. But importantly, it's also $500 million less expensive. So we can take that $500 million and we can put it into transit where we desperately need it. But the $500 million uh, less expensive, that's still, you're you're going from 2015 uh, estimates, correct? Uh, yeah, but it's but if you another way to look at it, Kelly, is that it is um, half the cost. So we know that it's double the cost to tear it down and rebuild it. So the the, the numbers scale up. The numbers, if you take the inflation, they they scale up either way you slice it. We know that building all that concrete in the sky is double the price of building something at grade. So the principle still holds, regardless of whether you take 2015 numbers or 2018 numbers. But the good news is... Yeah, we just want the the numbers to... $500 million. I just don't want to lead anybody astray. We want to get the numbers as correctly. So in estimation of around that, it's half. Order of magnitude. All the costs right now, all the costs right now, including the cost for the hybrid, are order of magnitude costs, meaning that they're an estimate that's been done based on some high-level estimates, like when you get an estimate to, to renovate a kitchen or something like that. Uh, that's what all of the numbers are right now. So the principle that's been used by the engineers is that it is essentially double the cost to build this infrastructure in the sky. And this is why cities don't do this anymore, because it costs so much both to build it and also to maintain it. Okay, I want to I want to just, because I don't have a ton of time, so I want to get your vision in here. From where to where are you thinking of building this boulevard? Can you give us uh, the actual yeah. area? Yeah, absolutely. So we've already taken down part of it. So to the east of the Don Valley Parkway, we've already begun taking it down. This was the next phase of the plan is to take it down between the Don Valley and Jarvis. And what's so important about that area is right now that's kind of a derelict land. That entire area will become a new neighborhood with new jobs, with new retail. With okay, new so you you say that. So LRT. Are are we also we're talking this prime real estate that you've mentioned? That's going to be used for more condos and more people to live in. Building a whole new neighborhood. Now we're already building a neighborhood a little bit a little bit farther south. We're building on the Portlands. We're going to be building a new neighborhood. And Sidewalk Labs is of course creating a plan, which sure. is right beside this area. So this will be like a missing gap. This will be a big piece that we'll be filling in. Okay. So uh, I just want to throw this out there. You know, an elevated expressway is a separate level of, of traffic, but by its very nature, it sits above everything else. You know, cross streets, streets pass underneath it. 
you know, freeing it from the delay of traffic lights and people can safely walk back and forth removed from the cars overhead. Uh, You know, you could even have park space underneath it if you want. So even if a boulevard can handle more traffic by putting it on the ground, you're creating a massive barrier that, you know, currently doesn't exist. How will that impact the north-south cross streets? Well, no, not if we design it, you know, University Avenue. Is that a barrier? No, it's a crossing point. So we're creating a new space that will have shops and cafes and where pedestrians can walk. So it actually becomes a connector, whereas the highway in the sky is a barrier. You can't access it. But when it's at grade, you can connect into it. That's what's so powerful about it. This is why that kind of elevated structure from a transportation perspective doesn't work so well, because it acts like a funnel, and it funnels everyone to one point. And as you and I both know, when you're getting on an expressway or you're getting off it, you often get caught in a ton of traffic because it's just funneling everyone into a small little area. Mm. But when you make a boulevard at grading, you've got all these cross streets. There's a whole variety of points that you can get on and points that you can exit. And that's why, you know, think about University Avenue. I don't think many of us think of that like a barrier. Well, that's what we're talking about here. It's a big, wide street. Some of it is public space. Some of it is like in the middle on University Avenue. Some of it is streets for cafes and for shops. That's the opportunity of what we can do in this part of the city. Where are the cafes and shops on University Avenue? I got to interrupt right there. I've, I, I've walked up it. Where are the cafes and shops? Well, they're emerging. It's actually just kind of, I would say, coming coming of age. There's some, of course, hospitals that provide a little bit of a dead zone in terms of the co- uh, cafes and shops. But if you look, for example, right at the corner of college and university, there's a whole little hub with restaurants that is starting to emerge. There's a second. Okay, so they're a dream right now. Like they're starting, but it's well, but it's not really the way you're describing it exactly. I mean, I'd like to keep as as close to reality as we can because I'm not poo-pooing your vision here. I'm just saying let's keep it. You know, it's nice to talk about things that are happening, but you know, if you would argue that college, the corner of college and university, is this place that is a it, you know, is a bastion of people sitting out on patios. It's just not. It's 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 not. Anyhow. Well, I think we're losing. I think we're losing the thread here a little bit. The okay, and so do I. So let's get back on very, this. Very different. We can do something very different, and part of that is about creating a boulevard. And we can, in designing that boulevard, create a really great place. We okay, can, so I want to get to the point here, Jennifer, because I, I really, we don't have a ton of time, and I really want to get to this. So as somebody that commutes into the city on a daily basis and uses that, Gardner, uh, you know, I'm hearing, and I believe that something that you're proposing would take a lot more travel time for me because uh, there are going to be lights along the boulevard, you know, so that people can cross the boulevard. Set aside whether the average travel time goes up or down, would the boulevard process more cars per day than the gardener? Because that's the important question. Which option pushes more cars through the city on any given day? Yeah, that's a really important question. That was the basis of the planning, which is ensuring that the capacity stays the same. And so ensuring that the capacity stays the same and The great thing is that in redesigning this, we can be moving more people. Uh, We can be moving a lot more people and creating destinations within this area instead of it being 
just an area to go through. So recognizing the transportation capacity and role of this area continues to be a really big priority. And that's why it's a grand boulevard and not a main street, because a main street doesn't typically have that same kind of opportunity to be addressing the volume that needs to be addressed. Okay, so how many lanes is that then if it's going to process more cars? Well, it's not processing more cars, it's more capacity, but the right now it's about uh, the design is eight, it's eight lanes across. Okay, so four and four. Chris, you yes, had a question, correct. is somebody lives down here? Yeah, yeah, if I can uh, jump in. I like the idea and the vision of a Grand Boulevard, it sounds beautiful, it sounds like a great place, but my concern, because I actually do live and work sort of right in this community here, and one of the few people who lives and works south of the Gardner Expressway, I very rarely go north of it, I find this to be a little short-sighted, Jennifer, and I don't mean to insult the plan in that way, but it's just... You've got people, I use the gardener, I know people use the gardener because I wake up every morning and I look at that east end of the gardener jammed up from 7.30 in the morning on of with cars coming in. Is a Grand Boulevard really the answer if it's just going to be a traffic jam? Well, it's funny that you say that because there's some great transportation modeling and evidence that shows that actually goes the opposite way, that when you redesign in this way, it's very forward-thinking that when you redesign in this way, you take away that traffic congestion um, precisely because that piece I was talking about, about it being a funnel, that you don't have that funneling problem anymore because there's a lot more points to get on and to get off. So if we look at the part that is to the east of the Don Valley, uh, where we took it down, the same kind of arguments were made that, oh, this will create mayhem. And in fact, that roadway at grade, many would argue it's kind of overbuilt. There's too many, there's too many lanes. Because there's nothing there right now. Yeah, the good news is we've got data that that shows us and modeling that shows us that uh, it it isn't Armageddon, but instead it allows us for a lot less money to create um, uh, to create a neighborhood and to create a place where one doesn't exist today. Is there any cost associated with canceling the current plan? Uh, well, there might be uh, there might be some cost. The good news is that we can uh, we can repurpose the existing contracts. Um, that's entirely within the jurisdiction of the city to do. The costs will be minuscule in comparison to the value that is added. $500 million is a lot of dough. It's an expensive plan that's been advanced for very little value. The cost-benefit analysis did not recommend rebuilding it. That's important to note as well. So uh, this is this is about ensuring we don't throw good money after bad. Jennifer, I want to thank you for your time today. I, I appreciate it. I know a lot of tough questions, and uh, but you know this is what the voters want to know as we head towards that election. You know, uh, happy to take them. All right, I appreciate your time. Have a, have yourself a fantastic afternoon. Thanks so much. Cheers. That's Jennifer Keysmatch. She's got uh, lofty plans for the gardener, at least uh, the eastbound uh, area of the gardener, east end, where we're looking at right now. You know, right here at Chorus Key. This is where we'd start uh, the teardown, mm-hmm. um, and then we'd move towards the uh, DVP. I want to open up the phone lines. Paulo in Etobicoke, welcome. Hey, Kelly, I must congratulate you. You did such a good job on handling that interview. It was spectacular to listen to. My thoughts for this is it, 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 she looked like she was either lying or didn't have all the information. To me, it sounded like she was just going from some sort of gut instinct or something that she thinks would placate the uh, taxpayers to get her to vote. 
Now I'm guaranteed I won't vote for her because her logic is so flawed, it's not even funny. How do you possibly think that something with no lights, you throw it on ground level and it has lights, it's going it's to make traffic better? It won't. It's going to push the traffic everywhere else. So now I'm going to throw this out there. There's a lot of people like me that are in the skilled trades and industries like that, service providers. So guess what's going to happen now when someone in Toronto is going to make a call for service? Our flat rate's going to go up about another 100 150 bucks. Oh, for, for sure. You've got, yeah, you've got to get down there. I'm burning way too much time. We've all had the experience where something happens on the gardener and you get dumped on Lakeshore. It's, it's, a, it's impossible to move. So how is getting rid of the gardener going to improve anything? It's illogical. Yeah, you know, as someone that commutes, I relate to what you're saying about the lakeshore because although there are big swaths of the lakeshore that don't have the lights, as soon as you hit a light as well, you know, it can back you up quite a bit, especially at, you know, four in the afternoon when you're trying to get out of the city. Her logic is flawed because she's saying she wants to tear it down to add more population density without addressing the fact that whether you like it or not, people need to move in the city. And people also move through this city, Mm -hmm. which is what the gardener is exceptional at. And it, it's a hard task, and I've traveled around Canada and parts of the states for work. Guess what, folks? In a big city, there's traffic. you got to plan for it. It sucks. It's not fun, but it's reality. And having said that, even in the beginning of a traffic hour, you can still get across the gardener. You're a little patient, listen to you on the radio, listen to a song or two, and once you pass the prints and skates, it kind of opens up a bit. So, you know what? It's not so bad as people think. There's just this pie-in-the-eye idea that by getting rid of the gardener, something magical is going to happen. It won't. All right. Appreciate the call. Got a lot to get to, a lot of calls to get to, so I want to get to some of them. Paulo, thanks so much. JT, welcome. Yeah, uh, I think what we need to do is um, just get rid of a lot of the lights. And she did say one thing that made sense is that mm. the bottleneck. And any time you got bottlenecks, people just don't know how to let people in and, and be curious. People need to learn how to drive. In Europe, they seem to have all these circular driveways where, you, you know, if you if you miss your exit... Roundabouts. Roundabouts, that's exactly, sorry. And, and uh, yeah, you miss your exit, so what? You go again around the roundabout and you get your answer. You never come to a complete stop. And this is our problem. How many times one guy doesn't let you in? There you go. You put on your brakes, 10 other guys put on their brakes, and no, 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 no. I you. gotta say, I see the province uh, uh, employing a lot more, or at least municipalities employing a lot more of these uh, roundabouts, and I think they're phenomenal. When you, Once you know how to use them, they keep things moving. Hey, Michael in the Junction, what do you think of Jennifer Keysmat's idea? She wants to take down the, the gardener from Jarvis through the DVP and create a grand boulevard. I think the more she talks, the more I'm going to be voting for John Tory. I don't know what, where she gets these ideas. You know, if Boston hadn't had such a bad experience in the 80s burying their highway, uh, we would have buried the Garner, which was, should have been done before they built the uh, Rogers Centre and all that, uh, all those condos there. That should have been built, uh, you know, buried in the early 80s. We wouldn't be having these conversations. But uh, how can you remove a highway and, and don't think you're going to have total chaos And, you know, you bring up an interesting point. It seems like we keep having the same arguments and rehashing them and bringing them up. We've we've got the solution and then we change it again. And then we get stuck in this, you know, cycle of nothing's getting done. Hey, hey, Blair and Whitby, I'm going to let you wrap it up. What do you think here of Jennifer Keysmack's plan for the gardener? I, I, I regularly travel down the DVP and go east and or west. And I'll agree. Yeah, you go east and it's fairly wide open, but the majority of the traffic goes west. And I'm listening to her talk about this grand boulevard, and I'm thinking of balloons and ferries and all these things. And yet all I'm thinking, all I'm hearing 
is Charlie Brown's teacher. I, I can't picture what it is that she wants to do. How do you take a jammed Gardner Expressway and a jammed Lakeshore Boulevard, put them together, and have nothing but pixie dust and, and fairy tales? Like, and I'm sure probably 10 lanes of bicycles, but I just, I can't, no, I just... No, how do you do that? Yeah, you you brought something up, Blair, and I just thought to myself, man, did I miss that question. Sometimes you'll, you know, because you're in the middle, and it did get kind of heated. I was trying to follow what Jennifer was Mm -hmm. saying, because I wanted to be open-minded here. But then, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, uh, using university as an example, and how it has patios on it, I'm like, university? wait a minute, that just doesn't seem like any University Avenue I've been on. But, you know, I should have brought up how many bike lanes are going to be along there, because you know, Chris. Well, the Martin Goodman Trail already sort of goes through there, so I would think that that bike lane problem's already solved. I, I don't know, would we be adding another layer of bike infrastructure of course we would. onto this? I just, I and I'm and I'm, I'm sorry because I love the idea of a, a Grand Boulevard, and sure. the city doesn't have enough of them, but... I feel like it's a little short-sighted in a city that is growing to that now have two bottlenecks at the beginning and end of the Gardner Expressway and the DVP instead of having them connect smoothly in a in a future that sadly and sorry will have more cars as we move to more ride sharing, more driverless cars. That means every car is taking two trips for every one trip that it would normally be taking. There will be more cars in the future, you, and you can't keep planning for a carless future.